Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the house today? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here. I want to shout out all the folks online worshiping with us today. Give it up for those guys, would you, everybody? Thank you for being with us in the house. And all of the folks out in Coffee Town, that's what the lobby's now called, Coffee Town. Come on, somebody. We welcome you guys. Thanks for being here. Hey, um, we did some math uh, this week, and we were able to get some more chairs in here. Uh, uh, actually, 40 more chairs in here, believe it or not. Um, and yet... Um, we still have some folks out there. Uh, and so we have a tent coming. Uh, I think it's going to be here for next weekend. And you're like, I don't want to sit in the tent. It, the tent's going to be awesome. It, it's the Fresca tent. Come on, because we're going to serve aguas fresca. Aguas frescas in those. But you can't, you can't get it unless you sit in the tent. So, uh, and we're going to have a vibe out there. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and so, um, and listen, we're doing everything we can. Uh, I know it's hard to get in and out. Um, two things about that. Um, if you're here and you're like, dude, the traffic is nuts. I, I know, I know. I didn't know. I didn't know until people sent me a lot of emails this week. And I was, I was grateful for all of them. And they're like, bro, I was at the soccer fields waiting to turn right and so we, we, we are hiring another police officer who can control the lights. It's magic. I don't know how. So if you're coming down here and you're like, why is that light so long? There's a brother out here magicking that up for us so that you guys can come in and get out. And um, we're going to actually park people, uh, some of our team offsite. And um, most importantly, we made an adjustment. I know just last Sunday I told you, hey, here's the new four service times. And then uh, the police officers, the parking team was like, bro, you got to do something. And so uh, we, we, we're going to do everything we can. We can't control that we only are allowed to have one entrance and exit here. The, the city won't let us have another one. They're the ones that did that terrible little swoop down thing that you have to do when you bottom out every time you come in here. That's not us either. I'm throwing them under the bus because we hate that thing. Um, <laughs> We didn't do that, and we can't widen the road. Um, but they are going to widen the road, and that's going to help a dramatic amount, but it's going to be a minute before they do that. They're starting that in January is what I've understood. That's going to be four lanes ride, turning lane, sidewalks. It's going to be great, but it won't be great while they're doing it. Can I get an amen, somebody? Can I get an amen? So what we want to do to help is just get a little bit more time in between gatherings, okay? So, eight fifth, we, so this is the schedule, all right, until further notice, all right? Uh, we're going to start at 8.15 on Sunday, 8.15, and this service is going to start at 10 next week, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, everybody, 10 o'clock, and um, which is the time we told you guys last week, and then we're going to start the next gathering at 11.45, and then the last one at 1.15, um, and that's going to give us a lot more time to get you guys in here and out here without just everybody coming and going at the same time. I promise you we're doing all this to help all of you guys, and please uh, uh, bear with us and be patient. Um, we're going to make it happen. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for being, uh, being awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Growth track is happening right after this gathering. That's for people who are new here or who want to get involved on some level. 
um, lunch and childcare provided. Today, because of the way our, our lobby is being utilized, we're gonna do Growth Track in our offices, which is that house right over there. So if you wanna know more about that, go by Next Step Central. Tonight at five in this room, we are dedicating uh, children and families, uh, and it's gonna be awesome right at five o'clock. Beautiful ceremony, um, a reception afterwards, photographers here taking pictures of families, and we love, love, love to do this tonight at five. Uh, 8.15, everybody, 8.15, 10, 11.45, and 1.15. Do we have it anywhere? Um, I, I'm just pretend like it's there and that it's up there. Okay. All right. Well, there it is. There it is. 8.15, 10, 11.45, 1.15. If you're so confused from the last one that I gave you last week. All right. Uh, happy Labor Day, uh, fam. Everybody, thank you for being here on a Labor Day weekend. I know people are out. And some people are like, dude, it's too hot to go out. It's just too hot to be outside. So you're here. Thank you. Um, we're in this series that we're calling Family Life. And over the past four weeks today included, we're just trying to help. Uh, we know it's complicated. We know there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of complexity involved with family. And so we've been just doing the best we know. I'm not an expert uh, at it. I'm not the dad of the year. Come on, I got a long way to go. I'm learning. I'm growing just like the rest of you are. And or those of you who are young, you don't have kids yet, you might want to take notes because you're not going to know what you're doing either. Come on, somebody, can I get a amen? I know that everybody has suggestions for what everybody else's kids should be doing, but it's hard. It's hard. And so we're just trying to give our best sense of what a healthy family looks like. Today, I want to wrap up the series um, by re revisiting a passage that I've covered here um, before, that I've talked about before. And it's one of the greatest teachings in all of the Bible about how to build a family. And the way God, God orchestrated the teaching is that we would think uh, generationally when we think about our families, how to have generational spiritual legacy. Like how do we do where our children and their children, the song we just sang, and their children's children, how do we how do, we do our very best to, to create a generational legacy of spirituality in our families? And this is the teaching that Moses, that God gives Moses and, and what he's going to say through Moses, this is how you do that. How you have generational legacy. How you give your kids and your grandkids spiritual roots that remain. How to make sure that our families are growing up with a worldview that is biblical and is shaped by the scriptures rather than just, just the philosophies of the culture around us. Right? which the Bible calls vain philosophies, right? They're often rooted in self-interest and selfishness and pride. And so he says, how, how, how can we give our families biblical, a biblical lens through which we observe the world? So when you think about the world worldview, let, let me do some groundwork and then we're gonna get to some practical stuff. When you think about worldview, you, you may not consider, you may not think much about it, but everybody has a worldview. And two things I want to tell you about worldview is your worldview was either shaped intentionally by families and parents and grandparents and generations, right? Or it was shaped by accident, meaning you just kind of picked it up as you went through life, bumping into people and observing life. It's either by design or by default, right? That's how it works. And, and so the, the worldview is the means by which you and I determine how to live our lives, we determine what's right. We determine what's wrong. We, we determine what's wise and what's foolish. 
We do that through worldview. And it's a, it's a philosophy, a philosophical view of, of uh, uh, let me say it this way. It's an all-encompassing perspective by, on, on everything about the world, the universe that we inhabit. And a person's worldview represents his or her most fundamental beliefs uh, and assumptions about the world and how it works. It reflects how we will answer the big questions of human existence. The fundamental questions like, who, who are we? And where did we come from? And not, not the store. Come on, somebody, right? right, right. And what, why are we here? That joke's so old that some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about right now, right? right. Like, like, who we are, where we came from, why we're here, where are we headed, if anywhere? It, 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 it deals with the nature of, is there an afterlife? And if so, what does it look like? And then, and then it, the worldview describes what the good life looks like here and now. And that's what a worldview does. And, and it's true, then, that whoever shapes our family's worldview shapes our world. And um, I saw data back in 2021 um, about this very idea from, from the Barna Research Group, and they were saying that only 4% of the 69 million young people who comprise Gen Z in the United States, only, only 4% of them have a biblical worldview. 4%. Very, very different from one generation ago. Dramatically different from one generation ago. And of course, that has to do with, with ideologies and philosophies and agendas that are pushed all over the world. Now, we could panic about that as parents, as families, as grandparents, as pastors and leaders, or we could roll up our sleeves. We could panic, or we could go, what are we going to do about that, right? And, and so we feel like as a church that it's part of our job. It's why we do dedications, right? It's why we have student ministry, young adult ministry, kids ministry. It's why we're very strategic about discipleship and internships and, and how much can we get kids around here and tell them what the word of God says. How, how can we do that? And it's part of our job as a church, as a, a, a spiritual community, to make sure that that, that, that 4% of 69 million, um, is, is, that's some of our kids. That's our kids, right? And that our kids grow up looking at the world through the lens of scripture. What does God say? What does God think about this or that or whatever, the, whatever comes up? So one day, a guy named Moses, who you've heard of, even if you don't know the Bible, you've heard of Moses, right? Moses is, um, has led millions of slaves, former slaves, out of the land of Egypt, which if you go to Egypt right now and you see all of the monuments and the pyramids, those were created in part by Israeli slaves who inhabited that area for 400 years plus. They've, they've escaped. They, um, they have wandered around the wilderness for 40 years because of disobedience. And Moses is standing up before they're gonna cross the river uh, Jordan and go into the promised land which God had sworn that he would give Abraham and his seeds, his seed rather. And, and so he preaches a sermon to families, to individuals but to families. 
And by the way, Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy is the fifth of the five books of the Pentateuch, we call it as Christians. The Jewish people call it the Torah. And Deuteronomy is the summary of Numbers, uh, Exodus, Numbers, and Leviticus. So it's Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, Moses is older. He's not gonna be able to cross over for his own disobedience. And he's saying, hey guys, let me tell you the great stories. Let me remind you of what God's done on your behalf. And let me tell you what to do as you go into the next place. That's what you're reading today. And Deuteronomy 6 is, is about family. Verse two, I'm not gonna read them all, but verse two, he says that you may fear the Lord, that your, you and your son and your son's son will fear the Lord, right? Three generations, notice that, three generations. He says, verse seven, you're gonna teach them diligently to your children. Verse 20 through, uh, 20 through 25, when your son asks you in the years to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, the laws that God has commanded us? Then you shall say to your son, and what he says to say to your son is remember where God brought us from. Go read it. It's unbelievable. Um, and what he's telling us is that God cares very much how you and I raise, how we raise our families. There is a design. There is an intention. There is an order. We described that in week one. So then we come to verse one of Deuteronomy 6. These are the commands, decrees, and the laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. He's not getting to go, so he's telling them what's up. So that you, your children, their children after them, so you, one generation, your children, two generations, and their children, three generations. This is how we're supposed to consider life and legacy, three generations, okay? Um, that they may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy, come on somebody, long life. Next verse, please. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord the God of your ancestors promised you. And he goes into some of the most meaningful words now in all of the of the Torah, um, and they call the Jewish people call it the Shema, right? It's the most sacred part of their morning prayer, their rituals, even now. And he he says, verse four, Deuteronomy six four, say it with me, everybody, ready? Even out in the lobby, here we go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, why is this verse important? Because they're not just about to enter into a land flowing with milk and honey. They're about to enter into a land flowing with idols and many G-O-D, little G-O-D gods that are going to impact them if they're not cognizant of the fact there's not a million little gods, there's only one, right? And then he gives them the great command of all of scripture, which Jesus reiterates and calls it the great command, right? Verse five, Love the Lord your God with, say it with me, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Heart, soul, strength, right? This, this is Moses telling these former slaves who are about to enter into a new season of, of blessing and goodness and prosperity. He's telling them, this is the great purpose of your life, to not just to fear God or respect him or to honor him, all of which is appropriate and true. He simply says, the most important thing I can tell you is you are to love your God. And then I want you to notice the next words, which he directs straight to parents. And he tells them 
This is how you parents are going to show love to me as God. You're gonna do it by, verse six, these commands that I give you today are to be on, underline this if you have your Bibles, your hearts. And what that means is you don't just memorize these words, you live them out because, parents, nothing can happen through us which has not happened in us and to us. Like if I'm gonna have a legacy, which means I perpetuate something, something has to happen inside of me before I can, can change my family. It's like, I cannot, listen, we can, I cannot pass down something I don't possess. So like, like I, could, I, could, I could, as a joke to my kids when I leave my will behind, say, babies, I give you the Mona Lisa. What? Are you, you know, they're like, what? Are you kidding me? And then they're, and they're like, but your dad doesn't own the Mona Lisa, right? <laughs> Sorry. And I'm like, from the grave, psych. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't give the Mona Lisa because I don't own the Mona Lisa. I can't pass a faith down to my kids that I don't first own. That's what he's saying here. It has to be on your hearts. And he says, Verse seven, he's gonna tell us how to do this. How do you give it to them? You impress them on your children. This word impress here means to repeat often. And the literal word is engrave. Like, like with, a, with a sharp object, it means to engrave, right? So the idea is that by repetition, that fam, what we do is we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul and with all of our strength that we engrave that on the hearts of our kids and we just remind them that the most important thing in, the, in life is that we love God, right? And this is our greatest responsibility as families. And what's most important is not just that they get an education, gain good life skills, play a sport, know how to manage money, know how to navigate relationships, all hugely important, all wonderful, gotta teach them. But our most important responsibility, God says through Moses, is to teach our kids, to, to impress this on our kids. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, nothing more, nothing less. And I don't have a greater responsibility to my children than this, but how? Danny, how do I do this? In a world full of competing ideas and values amidst all the noise and all the confusing ideologies, Moses tells us, verse seven, the rest of it, he says, impress it on your children, that's part one. Second part, talk about them. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when, when you get up, the answer is to talk about it. Not preach it, right? Not lecture it. Not just send them off to a class, which by the way, we have. We have groups and you can come to it. It's good, right? We have groups, but just talk about it. And then he tells us when to do this. Just in the normal rhythm of your life. Driving to school, picking up from school, going to soccer practice, going to baseball, going to gymnastics, breakfast, right? Sitting at the table. When you lie down, you pray for the kids. You, you ask the favor of God to be upon them. You, you, you pray a father, a, a father blessing. If you're a dad, lay your hand on them kids and not in a weird way. Come on, not like in a violent way. I'll lay a hand on you. No, I mean, that's another subject for another time. But I'm talking about like, man, God bless my son. Dads, bless your sons. Mothers, bless your sons. Pray the blessing of God. Pray, let his favor be upon you. 
for a thousand generations. Bless them, right? This is what you do. As you're going about your life, remind them how very much God loves them, how very much uh, God is for them, and, 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 and talk about God and, 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 and his goodness, and, and then show them the difference that God's made in your life, which will require you maybe telling your story. And you're like, well, they don't need to know my story. Well, they're gonna find it out one way or another, somewhere along the way. Better you tell them than Uncle Billy does at Thanksgiving. <laughs> you should have seen your dad. What a drunkard, you know. I, I don't know what they might say, right? You tell them, hey, this, this is what I did, it wasn't right. This is where it led me. Thank God, God saved me. God put me back on the right road. I'm, I'm heading the right direction. Please don't make my mistakes. By the way, parents, you don't lose moral authority with your kids by telling them what, what you didn't get right. Like when you say, hey, babe, I got that one wrong. I'm so sorry that I spoke to you that way or I did you that way. You don't lose moral authority, you gain it. Because everybody appreciates authenticity and realness. They know you messed up. If you just admit it, you gain credibility, not lose it. Anyways, that's not my topic today. You show them the difference God's made in your life. The way that we talk about church, the way we talk about God's, God's house, God's people, is often what our kids are going to think about God and his people. What that means is that in, in our day, it is popular. It is super popular amongst the community of faith for people to beat up on churches, beat up on pastors and leaders. And I know for sure that some of that is warranted. I'm not saying that. But it matters when and where and to whom you say these things. So, so if I'm saying bad things about the church I go to or church I went to, the ministry that I go to, in front of my kids, they don't have the right frame of, of reference and context. They walk away. They implicitly interpret what you said to mean church is dumb, pastors are bad, and church is irrelevant. Your words create worlds, everybody. Words create worlds because they create worldviews. And even when it seems like our kids aren't listening, this is for good or for bad, they are. They are listening. And sometimes I didn't know they were, and I found out later they were, and I was like, ooh, let me undo that. Forgive me, baby girls, right? And I'd say more important than talk about it is model it. Like most of the good things in life are caught, not taught, right? What do I remember from my third grade teacher, Ms. Ennett? Nothing. What do I remember about Ms. Ennett? Danny, every morning, Danny, you can be any, put your her hand on my, she wasn't a Christian, put her hand on my head, Danny, you can be anything you wanna be, son. I believed her. Danny, your mind is sharp. And she gave me a love for books. And I read like a single librarian with a lot of cats, y'all, <laughs> right now. But that came from third grade Ms. Ennett. She didn't teach me that. I caught it from her. Two, years, two and a half years ago, one of my mentors and leaders in my life, one of my pastors that I worked for years and years and years ago, he passed away early from cancer. And I was thinking about him because I couldn't go to his funeral because that was the ice storm of 2021 that day. I couldn't get out of town. I wanted to go to Mississippi and honor him, but I couldn't. So I wrote a long letter and posted it so that people would know how much I honored the man. He wasn't a coach in the classic sense that he set me down. Danny, let me give you five things today that will help you be a better. He didn't ever do that, ever. 
But what he did do was he lived his life in the best kind of way. So that when I left there, I had caught so much of the, whatever, whatever good that, that I am, and I'm, there's a lot of bad, right, about me, but whatever good comes from me, much of it I caught from James Carney, because he modeled this. So we talk about these and we model it, it's caught more than it's taught, which means, fam, that I have to be in the word if I want my kids to be in the word. That I have to show up if I want my kids to show up. I have to volunteer. I got to serve. I got to be generous. I have to group up. Or we'll be saying, man, my kids just don't have the roots that I had. Why not? Well, because they aren't doing the things that you did when you were growing up. Right? So, listen, this is a long game. I want to say this to give you a break. It's a long, parenting is a long game. Right? You play the long game with them. You just keep sowing seeds into their hearts. You're like, my kids aren't taking it. It's not taken. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, you should see how they're living their life. Long game. Drip, 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 drip over time. You know why this matters? Because you reap what you sow. And what the truth about this is that's not the end of the statement. You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. Yes or no? That's the, and if you sowed bad, come on, you're going to reap more bad than you sowed. You don't put a kernel of corn in the ground expecting to get one kernel back, right? You expect to get a, a plant with multiple ears, right? You reap more than you sow. You reap, you reap long after you sow. That's the truth. You don't just reap what you sow. You reap more. You reap long after. And if you want to build health over time, in most areas of life, the formula is small amounts of consistent, on a consistent basis over an extended time. Drip, drip, drip over years and years and years. I'll say this to you. My oldest brother who was at my house yesterday, he did not love Jesus. He did not know God when he was a teenager. When he was 18, he bolted. 25 years, he walked far from God. My mother kept dripping. My mother kept dripping. Prayer, God promised me my son is gonna be saved. 25 years later, the brother comes back. This is about 10 years ago. He's 58 this last week or so, which means he's way older than your brother right here. Anyways, <laughs> I had to remind him of that. And, and the, the work God has done in his life is mind-blowing. Like if you said, hey, when your brother is 58, he's gonna be a man after God's own heart. I'd be like, what are you, what are you smoking, bro? Because that, that brother's got horns, you know? <laughs> a tail. I love my brother, he, but he did, come on, he did back in the day. Listen, drip, 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 drip. And this is why grandparents matter so, so much in this game because grandparents don't panic the way parents do. Because grandparents already saw this movie with you. <laughs> come on, grandparents in the house. You, we don't panic, y'all don't panic. Because you're like, I've seen this movie. Just hang in there. Just keep going. Drip, drip, drip. That should be a song if it's not. <laughs> Verse 8, Moses knows that we're going to get distracted. We're going to forget what's important. We're going to chase lesser things. And so he says, I want you to tie these, this idea as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. This is called, they do this even right now. You can go to Israel. They have phylacteries, they call it. They put a little box on their head or on their left arm. And it's got the words of, he's got these words that we're reading right now. It's got them in there. And they're like, and they write them on their doorposts. They have these words written on their doorposts. They took it literal, like, right? Y'all don't have to wear a box on your head. It's okay. 
But the idea, the idea is that God's word and God's presence goes with us throughout our lifetimes. Not just on Sundays, but all through the day, all through the week, that God is, is the forefront of our family tradition, right? This is why we engrave, we impress, we teach diligently our children these things so that, that long after we're gone, that those words are ringing true. God's designed for the families to make God's word part of everything that we do. So whatever you do, fam, make this lesson that God gives Moses and he passes to us, the most important responsibility, the center of your life, whatever it takes, keep it in front of you. Put it on your hand if you got to. I wear this little band every day. For the last 10, 12 years, I've worn the same one and it says pray first. And it just reminds me when I'm, tr I'm threatened to try to go out and figure out everything myself, I pop myself and I go pray first, Danny. Don't pray as the last resort. Pray as your first response. So I've, t I've literally tied this idea to my, my wrist. We have these, by the way, out there. If you want one, you can pop yourself every now and then. And every now and then it's fun just to walk by your wife and pop her with it too. Praise, <laughs> praise God. Just trying to help fam life, you know what I'm saying? You could take it and shoot it across the room if your kids aren't paying attention, right? So th the worldviews, the ideologies of the world are coming at us what are we gonna do to counter it? I don't mean go to war. I'm not talking about going to having a culture war. I'm talking about in my home. This is who God says he is. This is God's design for us. And it's not popular. And it wasn't popular all the way back in this, this era because when Moses dies, a, a young man named Joshua, he's probably not that young actually, but a man named Joshua is set to lead the people across Jordan. He does. They have many battles, including Jericho. But they get to a point where the people are like, they forgot what Moses said. Because that's what we people do. And so he says to them, Joshua 24, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, this is the same group of people, then, then choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve, whether the gods your ancestors served. By the way, they weren't just little gods back in the day. They're gods right here now. They got no power, but people worship them anyways. They can't hear, but people pray to them anyways, right? Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living, but, 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 but Joshua puts a stake in the ground. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what he says. That's what we're gonna do. And this is what we have to decide, ladies and gentlemen. Are we gonna serve the Lord? I know that it is popular now in our culture, for parents who, who wanna be helpful, passive in some ways to say, you know what, I'm gonna let my kids figure these things out on themselves for themselves. People do it all the time. By the way, the, the reason I know that's true is because only 4% of the 69 million have a biblical worldview. Whose fault is that? Christians. Can't blame that on anybody else. That's our, we, we, we go, hey, our kids will figure it out. And so Solomon comes along and he says, he says, the rod and reproof or wisdom, dispensed wisdom and discipline give wisdom, but a child left to himself, a child left to figure things out for themselves. Notice what Solomon does, brings shame to his mother. He's a man writing this, so he throws his wife under the bus, everybody. <laughs> Ladies, I got your back. That ain't right. Come on, somebody. 
I'm kidding. It's the word of God. I can't. I, I didn't write that. Solomon the wise wrote that. I'm kidding. What he's saying is if we think, hey, you know what? Cool parents, let the kids figure it out on their cell, on the, for themselves. This is why 4%. That's why 4%. That's why Solomon comes along and says, what you do is you train up a child in the way he should go. And then when he's old, he won't depart from it. And listen, listen. If you think long game, you can remember that he might be old when he finally comes back. Drip, 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 drip. Over time, you reap what you sow, and you reap long after you sow, and you reap more than you sow. And that's what he's saying right here. So you're going, all right, Danny, how do I talk to my kids about this stuff? I don't, I'm new. I don't know. I, I'm learning this stuff. Um, I think we have a uh, QR code on the screen, and I want to make sure I'm clear. Last gathering, I didn't make this clear. This is a QR code um, to a group called Orange, and Orange is uh, often the curriculum that we use to train our kids and sometimes our students as well. Some of the best minds, Christian minds on the planet, and this is particularly a link for parents to resources that are so many, there's so many that you're like, I don't know what to do with all of that. But if they're zero to two, they have decks of cards, they have books, they have coloring books, they have all of these things, little cards that go, hey, this is, how you, this is what you, you may talk around about the dinner table today. Because like, if, if we are going to have to come up with an, a, a lesson plan every day, come on, we're never going to do that, right? So... But once we catch the rhythm of this, of, of talking to our kids about God, once we have some resources, and there's so many, there's multiple pages of books. If there's zero to two months, like there's stuff for that. Like I don't even know what they're doing at that point, but whatever, you're doing something. You know, like all the way through high school and into their young adulthood, they have resources. So if you're serious about it and you want to know how to do it, um, I want to help. I don't get, we don't, we're not making any money off this, just so you know, this is not a, this is just, hey, capture it with your phone and go check it out. Um, somebody just captured it right now. It's, it's, it's like, yes, right? I'm gonna finish here. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So this is a metaphor for me today. The first strand is parents and grandparents. The most important of the three strands, parents and grandparents. That's what I've spent this whole time talking about. The second strand is the church. It's the parents' responsibility, the grandparents' responsibility to do what Moses said, but it's our job to come alongside of you and help you do it. So every week, there's I think, I don't know, 250 children that'll come through, maybe 300 today that are over there. Um, and th there's a team doing their absolute best to teach them to love Jesus, to know Jesus. Wednesday nights, um, we have uh, students, and, and this coming Wednesday, right in this room, uh, all through the month of September, four, four, four services in a row we're having, the, the, we call it a super series. And we're gonna be teaching, I'm gonna be teaching the students 
Um, some other people are going to be teaching, some of our other pastors are going to be teaching the students, and we're just going to impress upon them God's word. This happens every, tonight. They have uh, small groups for our students. Monday nights, every Monday night, there's young adults here, and they're gathering, and they're studying God's word together, and so the church is going to do everything we can. And then the third strand is the actual child, or in this case, student or young adult themselves, because at the end of the day, you got to own your own faith. I was a youth pastor for 14 years, and I would say to my students, Every year in May, if you don't own your own faith, when you graduate, you're going to get owned by the philosophies of this world. And we saw it. They go to school, off to college, never be heard from again at church. If you don't own your faith, you're going to get owned. So, but we're going to help. And when parents and grandparents and the church and the students themselves work together, it's a three-chord three chord strand rope that cannot quickly or easily be broken, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to plant ourselves in God's house with God's word and his presence. God's word, God's presence. Just keep sowing. Drip, 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 drip. Over time, over time. We don't panic but you don't know what they're doing. I know. I don't know what they're doing. Don't panic. God's word is not going to return void. God's word is a seed. It's planted in a soil. It will not return void. That's what the Bible says. Heaven and earth may pass away, the Bible says, but God's word's never going to pass away. So we just keep anchoring ourselves. God's word, God's house. God's presence. Doesn't have to be this one, everybody. This isn't a, this isn't a, a, a commercial for LifePoint. It just needs to be somewhere. Planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts of our God. Go read it on our wall out there. We have it because we mean it. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but every time you walk in the doors, there's a verse on the door. You ever seen that? Go pay attention to them. These verses, these verses are what I walk around this house by myself. I'd rather... Spend one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere. I was glad when they said unto me, let us come into the house of the Lord. This is what I'm doing and I'm thankful. I, I, I remind myself day after day that this is a little building in a sea of humanity, 350,000 people within five miles of here. That was 2012, by the way. So just think about how many humans live here. It's just a little bitty building in the middle of a big sea of humans beings, but it's God's house. And there are other, God has more houses, but I'm thankful to come into this house. I'm thankful for it together with the, you people. Even in Coffee Town, come on and fresca tent next week, wherever you're at. The people of God who said, I'll wait in a line. I, I hate waiting in lines but I have to do it at H-E-B and I have to do it when I drop my kids off and when I pick them up and it's crazy. It's just part of being a part of a growing city and a growing community and it's, it, it frustrates us all, but I wanna say I'm so glad that we get to spend some time with all of you guys. It means so, so very much. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you guys. We're gonna close out here, last seconds here. 
Our prayer partners are coming up to the front to pray with you if you want prayer about anything. They'll, they'll be happy to pray with you. If, the, if, you need, if you want to know more about following Jesus, they'll do that. We have a resource called Following Jesus out at Next Step Central. It's free. We'll hand it to you. Um, if you need prayer, if you want blessings on you, they'll do that. If you want to give today, there's envelopes in front of you. There's a kiosk out there. There's multiple kiosks out there. Um, and we really appreciate when you give because it helps us do everything that we do. Hey, stand with me if you don't mind. Bump a fist. High five somebody. Give somebody a hug. May the favor of the Lord be upon you and your families and your generations. In Jesus' name, God be with you. God go for you. You're blessed coming. You're blessed going. In Jesus' name, give it up for Jesus one more time as you take off today. God bless. Thank you, guys. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.